We're going to be talking about a cautionary tale today as we look at some of these characters of the, of the Bible. And so I want you uh, to look with me to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 3, as we look at the life of a guy named Solomon, he says this in verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased. Listen to that. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for the discernment in administering justice. I will do what you, what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, uh, will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized he had been, it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all of his court. Father, we thank you for your word that is here to teach us, uh, for us to learn how to react to you, how to live for you, how to serve you. And today, Father, as we look at the life of Solomon, this cautionary tale, you'd help us, Lord, to live in a way that is always wise, that is always honoring of your name in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. At the beginning of, the, of, the, of this year, as we started this series, we started off with uh, Joshua and how the children of Israel were coming into the land of Israel and taking the land of Israel. Then we, we transitioned from that into the time of the judges, and Dan talked about Gideon and what, what happened in Gideon's life, and we talked last week about Ruth and her experience with God, this Moabite woman who comes into the lineage of Jesus. And we understand that there was this loose, during the time of the judges, there's this loose confederation of tribes, and they were being attacked. There were a lot of things going on during that time. Uh, and they began to cry out for a king. They wanted a centralized ruler to help do all of these things, even though God had said he would do that for them if they would obey him. The first king that arose, Saul, ended up being a failure in so many ways, especially in calling the, 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 the people of, of Israel to live for God. And from that, God put his hand upon David, and David arose. Yeah, David was a man with flaws, but a heart from, for God and a faith that trusted God. And had lived for God and made his heirs and faced his judgments. But as we come to 1 Kings, David is in his last days on this earth. The last, his last hours of life. The natural flow of things would be that the king's oldest son 
would become the next king. But this was not to be the case. David had decided the kingdom would go not to his first son, or second or third or fourth, but that the kingdom would go to his tenth son. Uh, we, we know that he had made a promise, made some promise to Bathsheba, uh, the woman that he had had this adulterous affair with and the first child to die, but then, then Solomon had been born by her. And there was some promise made that Solomon would be the king. Maybe it was because somewhat that he, he had not been the oldest and God had chosen him. We don't know all the circumstances around that. But in any case, in the moment of declaration, he sent the word to the kingdom that Solomon was his choice. And he was anointed king. In 1 Kings, we see that Solomon moved quickly to establish his power. And now in this passage, we find him in Gibeon uh, offering sacrifices to the Lord because the temple had not yet been built in Jerusalem. And, and it is here that God shows up to Solomon in a dream. And the Bible talks about this fact that there are these two very specific times that God speaks to Solomon. One was in this time right after he's been anointed king and then later after he's built uh, the, the temple. In this dream, it's really interesting, God gives Solomon a blank check. Wouldn't you like a blank check from God? He says, you can ask for, listen to what he says, that Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night and in a dream God said, ask whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Whatever it is, you can ask. Boy, that'd be a nice, a nice check to have. But here's what we do have, and here's the lesson that we need to learn. We have a right. This is a consistent theme of the Bible. We have a right to ask God for our desires. I want you to get this in your heart. We've been studying this on Wednesday night, looking at prayer on Wednesday night here in the sanctuary. And we have this right, we have this freedom to come before God, no matter what your background or your life is, and ask him for stuff. Now, if you had a dream and God tells you you can have anything you want, uh, I would, uh, well, I, that, that would... That would be dangerous in most of our hands. That would be dangerous. We know that this is right, that God, this is a right that God gives his people. But the right to approach him, the right to approach him with our prayers and our requests and to believe God to answer. However, I would remind you today that our checks have limits. He doesn't look at us and say, you can have whatever you want. No, we are given the right to come before God and to ask him for the desires of our heart. But God reserves the right to say no. Why does he reserve that right? Because he wants, what, he wants the best for you, and we don't always know what that is. We don't always know what the best thing is. We think we do. We'll argue that we do. We'll, do, we'll say that we know what's best. 
But part of our relationship with God is we learn to trust him that he really knows what's best. That we are a people who have faith in God. But we have the right to ask God for anything. And really what that comes down to, what we're going to get, is we have the right to ask anything according to his will and in obedience to his word. Can you imagine the mess we would be in if everybody on this planet could ask God for anything and he gave it to them? Boy, it would be a confusing mess, wouldn't it? Whatever you ask for, you get. When we know something, but however, when we know something is in God's will, we can pray with certainty. Let me give you a a few things you can pray for with certainty. For people who are far from God, that they will come into relationship with Jesus. Do you know people far from God that you're concerned about? You can pray with certainty that it's God's will to move on those people's lives. That it's God's will to touch their lives. Tomorrow night we're going to come and pray and part of the thing that we're going to do tomorrow night is we're going to have our our cross up here in the front that has the the slots in it that we can put our prayer requests and we're going to give you the opportunity to come tomorrow night and write a name of somebody down that you want to see come to Christ and place it in that cross so that people will continue to pray for it in the prayer room in the weeks ahead and that you'll put it there and say, God, we're asking you to touch our lost loved one. You can be certain God pays attention to those prayers. He listens to those. Here, here's another. To grow in the knowledge of God and in relationship with him. If you want to grow in the knowledge of God and relationship with him, ask for him to grow in relationship with you. Seek it. Ask for revelation. Uh, here's a third one. To have the power to forgive those who hurt you. Have you been hurt and wounded by people? We know it's God's will for you to forgive them. If you'll begin to pray, God, you said, I don't see how I could ever forgive them. No, but if you'll begin to pray and ask for God to give you strength to forgive them, you'll find new strength and new peace coming in your life to forgive people. These are things we can ask for for certain. Certainty. To have God's word for people around you. To say, God, I would like to be a vessel of yours to speak life and encouragement to the people around me. If you'll begin to seek that, God will begin to give you. Those are just a few of the things that we find in God's Word that we can pray and ask for and know that God is going to answer those things. All of this and more are right in the will of God, and we can boldly ask for them and expect them, just like Solomon was promised. Now, if you come to me and you say to me, uh, Pastor, I've got an opportunity to get this uh, new job, uh, you know, will you pray with me that I'll get this new job? I'll pray with you. I'll pray something like this. Uh, God, my friend, has found this new job. Lord, it seems good to him or to her to get it. It seems good to me for them to get it. The opportunity looks great. If it's your will, open the door for this job. But if it's not your will, then close the door and don't let it open. Say, well, wait, wait, wait a second. I want this job. I, I think it's God's will that I have this job. Then you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> We're praying for God's will, right? There's nothing to worry. If it's right and it's God's will, 
You have nothing to worry about. We all agree upon the will of God. Well, I, you know, I, I really want this job. Not if it's got God's will, you don't. You don't want it if it's not God's will. It may look good to you now, and it may be awful six months from now. This is one of the great things about being a Christian. We say, God, order my steps. God, direct my path. And when the door closes that we thought was really good and we thought that was it, I should be, I should be going. We don't sit there and go, oh, God, you failed me. We say, oh, God, you must have protected me. Because that looked good to me. You must have something better for me. Because, see, God's plans for you are good plans. They're good things. God wants the best for you. He wants to pour his blessing out upon you. I want to be in the middle of his will, not in the middle of my will. So he teaches us this. We are called to come before the Lord seeking his will and trusting his wisdom. We are foolish to come demanding or begging for our way instead of seeking his way. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? One of the lines in the Lord's Prayer is this, Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I love her so much, I want you to, I want to marry her. And God's saying, no, 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 you really don't want to marry her. You're saying, oh, God, I love him so much. He's so adorable. No, he's really not that adorable. You're just kind of infatuated right now. I got something much better for you. I got something much better for him. Or maybe God's saying, no, you're, you're not ready. You're not ready. What do we want? We want God's will because God knows more than we know. And we come before God with this action of, God, what do you want? Now, Solomon got it right. Solomon got it right. He, he prayed. Uh, he, he pr when Solomon prayed in 1 Kings 3, he said, So give your, ser uh, your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And listen to what it says. It goes on to tell us that this prayer pleased God. It pleased God so much he gave him a bunch of stuff he didn't ask for because it pleased God that he was praying the right prayer. He gave him a lot more. This teaches us a great lesson. And here's the part of the lesson I really want you to capture today. In your life, always put duty first. Always put your responsibilities First, Solomon was the third king of Israel. And as he came in, he was a pretty young guy. They'd had this leader who'd been this strong leader for all of these years. And they're looking at Solomon with some skeptical eyes. He's not fought the fights that his, father's, that his father fought. He's not defeated the giant like his father's defeated the giant. He hasn't overcome the enemies that his father overcame. He hasn't led the armies that his father has led. He's a young leader. And the, the kingdom is uncertain. But he prays a right prayer. He prays a prayer Solomon's prayer 
was a prayer of duty. Are you praying prayers of duty? Or are you just praying prayers for stuff? For things? You have certain duties in life. If you're married, you have a duty to your spouse. Are you praying, God, give me wisdom, give me grace, give me love to fulfill the duty, the thing I promised to do at the altar before you. Give me the wisdom and the strength to fulfill that and to bring glory to your name in the middle of our marriage. Are you praying that prayer? If you have children, you have a duty to your children. We are called by God to raise them to know and to love and to fear God. Are you praying that prayer? God, give me wisdom with these children. Show me how to teach them to love you and to serve you. Maybe they're grown. God, help me to know how to speak into their life now at this time of their life. Give me wisdom and grace. Are you praying that prayer? God, what I really want in life, more than anything else, isn't a new car. What I really want is I want my kids to live for God. I mean, who wouldn't trade all, I'm just telling you, as a Christian, I would trade everything God's given me for my kids to live for God. For them to love God and serve Him. If you're growing up in a home, you're a child in a home. Listen, teenagers in here, you have a duty in that home. You're right now beginning to show God whether you're going to fulfill duty. David, when he was a young boy, was honored because he fulfilled his duty in the home. You have a duty to mom and dad. To talk to them the right way, to honor them the right way, to respect them, to do the things that they ask. That's, this, is, this isn't just because we have a duty before God to treat our parents with respect. As a member of the church, you have a duty to the church you belong to, to that body of believers, to use your gifts and your talents to bless others and to strengthen others and to pour into other people's lives. As a Christian in this generation, you have a duty to represent Christ and to do his work in our times. So here's my question. Are you praying that kind of prayer? This is the prayer we should be praying. Can we learn this lesson from Solomon? The duties of our lives should be the highest priorities of our lives. Everything else should take second second place, far down the road behind our duties. And as we pray, God will direct you in what you do. Now, we titled this message, a cautionary tale because Solomon is a cautionary tale. Solomon was the writer of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was a writer of the Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs and a couple of the Psalms. Solomon would consolidate the worship from all around uh, Israel into the temple. He would build the palace and become a, a master of a uh, become a master of international trade and grow the wealth and the power of Israel. He would establish the government and put taxes on people and really begin to solidify the whole uh, the whole structure of the nation. And yet, the seed of his undoing 
was already in place by the time he had his dream in Gibeon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, just before we read this story, it says this, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Solomon was seeking for a good thing. He wanted to bring security. He wanted to negotiate peace, to bring security from the nations, the powerful nations around him. His father had done that through battles and war. He wanted to do it through negotiation and treaties. And he began to do that very thing, even though that was the thing that God had promised he would do if he would just live fully for him. His father had given him a charge, and Solomon had been warned. In 1 Kings chapter 2, we, we, we read these words, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Show yourself a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and his requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. In the dream that we just read about, God gives him this blank check to ask for whatever he wants to ask for. He asks for the right thing, and God promises him a lot more. And then God says to him, and if, listen, if, that's a big word, two letters, really big word in our life, if you walk in, in my ways, and obey my statutes and commands. As David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. Friends, hear me. No matter how smart we think something is, no matter how wise an action may seem in our eyes, no matter what all the advisors and coaches around us may say, you cannot ignore the path of God and expect things to go good. In 1 Kings 11, it tells us what happens to Solomon. It says in 1 Kings 11, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives, listen, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew, grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods 
and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. What do you love? Think about that for a moment. What do you love? What came into your heart? What came into your mind? What do you really love? Does it sway you from your duties? Does it demand things that are costly to your spouse? Does the thing that you love demand things from you that cause you to neglect your children? Do the things that you love cause you to be disrespectful or dishonoring to your parents? Do the things that you love keep you from fulfilling duty in your church family? Do they keep you from being able to be fully used in your generation to do the work that God's kingdom calls us to do? Do the things that you love rob you of the, the ability to serve your duties well? That's exactly what happened to Solomon. I'm sure Solomon justified his actions. He was building peace. He was negotiating peace. He was setting the nation up to be healthier without war. But here was the very seed for the destruction of Israel. God told him by the end of his life that because of this, the kingdom would be ripped from his son's hands. That the kingdom would soon be divided. Eventually, the kingdom would be sent into exile because these women who would now become the mothers of future kings would instill worship and would instill things inside of the hearts of those leaders that would lead them far from God. They would be defeated and put under judgment, sent into exile. Why? As Solomon married for treaties, he allowed his wives to bring their gods with them. Even Chemosh that we talked about last week, he set up shrines in Jerusalem and he began to worship with them. See, it doesn't matter how much ability God gives you and to fulfill your duty, if you compromise his truth, if you compromise his standard in your life, that seed will grow throughout all of the things of your life. Solomon had great wisdom, great ability to grow the kingdom, to establish the kingdom, but he also built into the kingdom the seeds of its destruction because he didn't obey God. He didn't follow. He fell in love with these women and he loved them so much that instead of obeying God, he went his own way. Friends, listen to this. Today's compromise is tomorrow's normal. And normal outside of God is poisonous, no matter how much we love it 
and explain it away. Here's the final lesson for us that we learn from Solomon. God speaks to mankind. From the beginning, God walked in the garden with Adam. He spoke face to face with Moses. He sent an angel to to Gideon. He spoke to Ruth through the life of Naomi. Solomon had dreams and visions from the Lord. And today, in our lifetime, God speaks to us. He He urges us by His Spirit. He reveals things to us by His Spirit. He burdens us by His Spirit. He convicts us with His Spirit. God moves in our lives, each and every one of us, to speak to us. Now here's the boundary. God's voice in our spirits is always in alignment with God's Word. What did David tell him to do? Pay attention to the law of Moses. Listen to the the law that's been written. Pay attention to it. What did God say to him? If you'll obey me as your father David obeyed me, if you'll listen to my statutes and you'll follow them, the sureness of, our, of that voice we hear, that urge we hear, that thing that we hear, the sureness of it is in knowing that it's aligned with God's Word. Even for o Solomon, obey my statutes and commands. Solomon did not do that purely. God's voice will take his word and make it personal to us. God's voice many times tells us things we don't want to hear. In fact, that's usually when I know it's God's voice. When he's telling me something I really didn't want to hear. Give that up. Stop doing that. Get involved here. Don't just be burdened. Do something. Care. Go talk and say this to this person. Be a witness to this person. Go encourage that person. Here's a word for them. Go share it. Give your time to this. Open your life to that. Give your money to make a difference here. That belief that you think is right, that your culture says is right, it's wrong. This is how you should see it. God still speaks to us. He urges us. He speaks to us because he loves us. The question is, is are you listening? Sometimes he speaks to us as we're reading his word. And something jumps off the page and breathes hope into our life where we were hopeless a moment before. Sometimes he brings conviction to us where the moment before we felt we were okay. Sometimes God speaks to us through a teacher or a message or a preacher. And in the middle of that message we hear God and and he begins to speak to us about something and now we have a chance to respond. Sometimes just in our prayer time, just as we walk through life, God speaks to us, and I'll tell you, I've had several times in my life, I I like to talk about it this way, where unexpectedly God jumps out and jumps me. Driving in a car, sitting in a meeting, home alone, and the Spirit of God moves. 
Have you had that experience? Listen, if you ignore it when that happens, that voice gets less and less. If you pay attention to it and response to it, that voice gets clearer and clearer. It's always in alignment with God's Word. It's always balanced by God's Word. God's Word is the foundation to all we hear from God. It's the foundation. And here's the first thing that God says. He says to us, you are my broken creation, but I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus to save you. And you can have eternal life with me. And you can have new life in me if you'll surrender your life and put your faith in the work of Jesus, my son. I will forgive you and you will be mine. But he also clearly tells us, if you don't, my wrath will remain on you. Those are stunning words, aren't they? That we need fixed, but God loves us enough to send his son to fix us. But that if we ignore that voice, then we're left outside of the blessing of God in the place of the wrath of God. Solomon was a guy who got a starting prayer right. He was a guy who was used in many ways to establish the kingdom of Israel and to do what God wanted to do in Israel, but he had a seed running through all of it that would be destructive. You know, that gives me great caution as a parent. It gives me great caution as a pastor of a church that, wow, we can be doing a lot of right things, but we can let one seed be planted that we hold on to, one thing that we choose to love more than obedience to God that can end up being the very destruction of the things that we love. And that way, I do not want to be like Solomon. I want to be like Solomon. I want to pray the right prayers. I want to seek God to show me his way and duty, and whatever else God wants to bless me with, that's up to him. But when it comes to this aspect of what do I love first and foremost, I don't want to be like Solomon. I want to put Christ first in my life and everything, and I call you to do the same. Let's stand together today and let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to bow your hearts for a moment as the musicians come and just say, God, I've heard today that you speak to us. Have I, let, me, let me hear your voice today. Is there any place in my life where something I love is taking me from my duty and taking me from you? Just let the Lord speak to you today.
about you, friend? Have you ever come to this moment where you surrendered your life to Christ? Where you've asked him to be the Lord of your life? Where you put your faith in him? As every head's about every eye closed for just a moment, I want to give you that chance in a very private way between you and God to just raise your hand and say, today, today with this action of raising my hand and praying the prayer we're going to pray, I want to surrender my life fully to Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I want to do that today. I want to start a new life in Him today. If that's you, just raise your hand right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to wait just a moment. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else today? You raise your hand and say, pray for me. I want to walk in the way that God would have me to walk. Yes, see another hand today. Thank you. Others today. You raise your hand and say, pray for me today, Pastor. I want to make sure my heart's right with him. I want to make sure I'm in the right place with God. Anyone else today? I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down to the front this morning. And as they come, will all, will all of you just pray this prayer with me today? And those of you who raised your hand, you pray this to the Lord. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus into my life as my Lord. And I put my trust in him my faith in him to be my savior. Now help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I want you to really listen to this appeal today. If you have any need in your life, if you're one of these people who raised your hand just a moment ago, or if you have any other need in your life, you have health issues, we have some really big health issues in our church today we're going to be praying for tomorrow night you have a need for direction I want to invite you just to, to come down as we sing this song and let one of the prayer teams pray we believe prayer makes a difference this is a great moment in our service it's a great moment for you to come and get prayer but today I want to give a second appeal with this today we're going to sing this song and if you have something where the Lord has spoken to you as we've, we, as we've talked today that there's something in your life that you need to leave at this altar and say, you know what? I've loved that so much it's gotten in the way of some of my duties. I haven't been serving my spouse well. I haven't been serving my children well. I haven't been serving my parents well. I haven't been serving the church well. I haven't been thinking of those things. I've been thinking of this other thing I want to do and be. And today, I need to leave that at the altar. <clears throat> then I want to invite you just to come and Step out from where you, you don't. You don't need to come to one of the prayer teams. You just need to come down and stand around this altar and take a moment privately to pray and to say, God, I want to leave that here. Now, I know <clears throat> this is what happens sometimes in a moment like, well, I can do that right where I'm standing. Yeah, but today the Lord's calling you to come and lay it at the altar. This is a physical breaking point for you. This is a point of you breaking bondage in your life and putting your flesh under the control of the Spirit and saying, I'm going to surrender this once and for all. I'm going to surrender this thing fully to God and my duties are going to come first.
my duty is going to come first. There may be one person, that may be 20, doesn't matter. It's about who, what you are and what you're going to do. So if you have a need, come down and uh, you know, one of the ushers will direct you. I ask the ushers to come down here and be ready. They'll direct you to one of the prayer teams. But if you come down and just say, just look at us, I need to just go to the altar. They'll just let you come down and stand right down here. And you just take a few minutes and take that time to talk to God and let him tell you what he wants you to do. As we sing this song, if you have a need, come. If you want to surrender something, come in Jesus' name.